Hello, this is Paul McGann. And this is Jake McGann. And you and are listening, listening to, to Travelling the Vortex. Ding dong. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed episode number 267. The one where he goes on holiday in the country and things go dastardly wrong. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. <laughs> I'm Glenn. <laughs> How are you guys? <laughs> Wait, did they, uh, <laughs> I also turned it into a Friends episode. Apparently. I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. <laughs> the, the one where. <laughs> the one where. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead here, but he should have gone to Spain. I sat down at this. I sat down at the table knowing we we're going to review this movie, and came to the table not thinking about what really is essentially the whole movie. <laughs> Don't you put it in perspective? It really is. They go. They go on holiday, and not, it is not a restful holiday. No. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did you guys have a good week? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Super Bowl was today, so yeah. I watched that. Yeah. Wait, are we allowed to actually call it the Super Bowl? I know that's a big... Yeah, you can say Super Bowl all you want. <laughs> as long as you don't use the logo. <laughs> the name of it is the Super Bowl. Everybody is super sensitive about it in media <laughs> because they're afraid that this, uh, the NFL is going to sue them. But you can say the word Super Bowl. You just can't call something a Super Bowl party. Hey, NFL, I'm holding the logo and I'm <laughs> saying it. Are you ready? Here it comes. The Super Bowl. Come and sue me. You won't get much. Yeah. Get oh, God, they're here. I'm not going to get anything out of this on this one. He took my mic. <laughs> Where are my pants? Did it end shorter than most do? It seemed to get so. over earlier. No, yes. It was actually quite late. It was, it was after nine. They didn't uh, invoke the mercy rule or, or something no. on this one? Hey, it wasn't It wasn't a runaway game. It's just... Denver's defense was just really... <laughs> they showed up and played solid, and Carolina could just, just couldn't hold year. on to the ball. They were passing... They were passing all the time, which they had to because they it couldn't be a running game against uh, Denver's defense. There was just no possible way they could run the ball, so they were having to pass the ball. But then the receivers couldn't hold on to the dang ball. Anyway, it was it was it was sloppy as far as Carolina goes, but it wasn't a runaway game. I mean, I think for a long time it was within three oh, points. It was pretty close, yeah. I think when. Uh, uh, Denver scored its last two touchdowns. That, that kind of distanced the the ability, but that wasn't until early in the fourth quarter. So, no, Carolina just they didn't show up. They just did not show up. To the, it was not <laughs> the same team that played two weeks ago. It was it was it was sad. It oh, was it was kind of like Denver last year just didn't show up. Yeah. It was not the same team that played the, I, all leading up to this. I, I I sometimes wonder if that week off. Doesn't I think it hurts? Well, and there's hurts huge more pressure. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> the you, venue on, changes once you get to that level. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, on paper, the pressure is so it, much higher. It should be good because you're getting that extra week off to rest up. You're getting that extra week to kind of, you know, if you've got any injured players, they can come back. You, it, it should be a good thing. And I have always thought to myself, I don't know that it is because that pressure cooker just builds all week long. Yeah. And then you get to Sunday and you don't get to play. 
because you got another week. Yeah. To yeah. just let it. Well, I don't know. I mean, teams have bye weeks all the time, though. So you're just getting two this year. So yeah, but still, I don't know. It just it was no. It was if Kansas City had been there, of course. If Kansas had been there, Denver wouldn't have been there. So I would have hoped that Kansas City would have played as good as Denver did. I, I don't. I, I so don't what like you're saying is we would have won. I don't like Denver. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't like Denver. I've never liked Denver, and it's not just because I'm a T- Chiefs fan. I just have never cared for Denver. And but that being said, when they won, knowing that this is Peyton Manning's last year, and there's something Peyton Manning <laughs> makes it harder for me to dislike Denver. I'll tell you that because I've always liked the guy, despite the fact that now he's embroiled in some That's sort of doping scandal but i've always liked the guy and so it's always made it harder so so knowing that and knowing that this was possibly his last game because i, I almost guarantee he's going to announce retirement coming up here soon. especially he now decide, that he won yeah so knowing that i'm actually kind of glad that denver won but not to mention the uh owner of the team died of a heart attack this year right in the middle oh, of the season so. i didn't know that so they i think they won it for him pat uh I don't remember his last name. Hmm. His wife accepted the trophy tonight, which was kind of nice. But yeah, I, I mean, that surrounding it, it was. I would have liked a closer game. I would have liked to. I would like to see Carolina play a lot better than they did. But <laughs> there were a couple of good commercials. They had, some, they had some good commercials. Yeah, some of them were really weird. Though. Yeah. The Doritos commercials were really weird. Well, one particular, and that the halftime show. I, I really thought Beyonce and Bruno Mars just delivered at home, but Coldplay. <laughs> oh, it seemed to I don't like remember the lead singer's s- name, but he was Chris, really weak. Chris something. Chris Martin. Yeah. Uh, Seems like they took up a huge chunk of Coldplay's halftime show. Well, <laughs> is that just me? It's weird because they kept saying Coldplay is the feature. Coldplay's a feature. The Coldplay, and it wasn't until this week that I heard that Beyonce and Bruno Mars were even yeah, going to be part of I didn't it. Even know until and we so I was kind of surprised. But it, they did a little montage of past performances too during. Yeah, so that I saw was that. That neat, was nice. I, I don't know. It was okay. We should get Michael Jackson back for for a fiftieth. Yeah, for a fiftieth. <laughs> they did have a uh, they did have a shot of him in the uh, montage. A couple of them. Yeah, um, but for a fiftieth. Super Bowl, I thought the halftime show was kind of lackluster. I I I'm pretty much always think the halftime show is lackluster, but that's. Uh, I thought the Stones when they did it a few years back was really I, I, solid, I must wanna, I must really solid, one. and I and I haven't thought the Stones have been good in live in concert for years, <laughs> but they that was a solid show. Cartney was pretty good. Uh, I've only been actually watching the Super Bowl more recently because Sarah's more interested in football than I am, so I humor her and let the game be on. <laughs> I was, probably, orga- I was organizing guys, I organizing my iTunes library. You guys are probably <laughs> like my family. I'm sitting there watching the game and when the commercial's on everybody comes into the room and sits and watches <laughs> now I enjoy the commercials too. But as my family comes in there and they watch the commercials. Yeah. And then they all disperse I, I understand. Well it helps it's Sarah's a, a big Mason Peyton actually watched fan. most of the game. They really? Yeah. The big episode of the sports ball this week. Yeah, but, yeah. You seen that meme that they're going on about? So yeah, I, everybody's running around cosplaying. I hear tickets to the con are out strapped. The ironic thing is, you, you say sports ball, and <laughs> this week's episode of Life in Pieces has a reference to that, but it's about tennis <laughs> instead of football. Well, I think that's the, that's the that's the, in my mind. That's I know that there's there's this thing where you can get. The kind of geeks and and sports nuts kind of 
tend to butt heads for some reason. I think it goes back to high school when there were jocks and yeah, geeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're all varying degrees of, of sports fans here. I, 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 there's a, a certain quality of the uh, or a contingent of the geek fandom that's like, oh, the sports ball, that's that's that thing. And people are kind of offended by it because it's, I think it's funny. I think it's a hysterical term because it does work for baseball or football or whatever <laughs> happens to be on. Except <laughs> for hockey. Ball, you can't yeah. really do sports ball when you're talking hockey. But I, I, I think it's hysterically funny. But I'm also coming at it from with a foot in both worlds that, you know, I can watch sports and, and have a good time with it. So yeah. maybe if maybe if I was just a geek or if I was just a sports nut and not a Doctor Who fan, I would be offended by sports ball. I don't know. Hopefully we've not offended anybody with our sports ball talk, which basically think, means me I think because nobody else fans, has said it. Sports fans have done a number of years of offending, <laughs> so yeah. I think it's okay. <laughs> I think it's all right. I think we'll live. It's that laugh and point as we show up at our conventions in our cosplay uniforms as they're standing there with their war paint and their jerseys on, decked <laughs> to the nines yeah, and their cheese the hands on. Is, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, seriously? <laughs> That would be the greatest cosplay ever, is we should go to Planet Comic Con as football players. As football players. <laughs> or, or foot, no, football fans. We should go as Green Bay fans with the yeah, cheese heads. <laughs> you could probably uh, get away with it as Raiders fans and people think you were like, dressed as fantasy characters. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered about that when the, the when the the security lockdown kind of came down on the NFL because I've seen some of the Raiders guys that show up and they that have those real pointy shoulder pads. They have legitimate like, like spikes. spikes. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, you know the, the the World War One helmet with the, <laughs> with the pike on the, <laughs> the top. Pike on the, it's like that guy's not getting anywhere near the building. <laughs> the metal detector will go off before they. <laughs> what are the Raiders fans going to do? I was genuinely upset for Raiders fans because it was like. <laughs> They I'm have a to Chiefs, have something. I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm never genuinely upset for Raiders well, fans. I, I'm, a, I'm a Chiefs fan, too. But as a Chiefs fan, I think we've kind of gotten to the point where we can kind of feel sorry for them. <laughs> you know? You can relate a little bit? Well, no. Because oh. No. You can't relate. You can't relate. <laughs> but just... They were a better team, maybe. There, that, that's, that's the, here's the sad reality. I apologize, Raider Nation, if anybody's listening. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> They're bad. They're worse than the Chiefs, is what you're saying. They actually did. Dude, the Chiefs, they actually they did. The they, they Chiefs went all year, the way they, up to... This year, but last year and previous years, well, the Chiefs weren't nah, so great. They, they, actually, if you nice. look at the Chiefs, Chiefs record, it's a lot better than it seems to portray. The problem with the Chiefs is they can't get it together in the or in the later half of the season. Oh, okay. This year, they managed to do that. They flip-flopped it. They did poorly in the beginning of the season. <laughs> it did better in the second half of the season. And it worked well for them, so hopefully we'll see more of that yeah. next year. Well, well, I think if they're just consisting through the whole season, it'd well, be even better. Super Bowl consistency would be nice. Yeah, but, but for everybody who talks about consistency, we got to go back to the Marty Schottenheimer years where yeah, we were very consistent and we won a lot of games, games and got into the playoffs and could not do no, anything yeah. ever. So, uh, you know what's 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 better? Do you want that shot at the ring or do you want to be consistent? Um, I want them both. Both would be nice. <laughs> But to, to answer the previous question, consistency as a Raiders fan is disappointment. Uh, year in and year out, all so, the time. So that if they have anything on the in road common, at home. it's the fact that there's some consistency. <laughs> That's okay. it. It, it's just, it's just unbearable. And I, I do, I feel genuinely bad for the fans of that team because it's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> just, <laughs> because, yeah, 
it's like watching Detroit on Thanksgiving. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. And Detroit was better this year, too, though. Now you can't wear your pike. I <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. There was there was, there was a there was one really really stellar commercial this year that I thought was just kind of head and shoulders above everything. The else. Prius commercials? No, oh my not gosh, Prius commercials. the Prius. The Prius were my favorite. <laughs> I really like the Helen Mirren one. Yeah, that was that was my other favorite one. And poignant and well done. Yeah. Did you see it? No. It's uh, Helen Mirren and she's sitting behind a table with a burger and fries and a Budweiser beer. And her point is that you know you're pretty much an idiot if you drink and drive, and, and just coming parades. from a yeah, <laughs> coming from this proper British woman, it's like it's you wonderful. feel like okay, I'm never going to drink and drive again. <laughs> I, I never have, but you're not going to you 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 feel bad and you've never done it before. You know, I'll never do. I'll never do it. Again, I promise. And at the end, she she ends it on an up note. So I mean, it's it's yeah. really good. It's, it's yeah. really good. What was the one that, that you thought was the best commercial this year? Film at eleven. <laughs> that was hands down. You better give some the, the uh, greatest we should, we should context let, for those not into Pika. We have to let the uh, listeners <laughs> or Northeast in on Kansas, that one. rather. Uh, I did not find out until my phone blew up uh, <laughs> during halftime. <laughs> that uh, it was right before halftime. It was like after. the break before. Half- it was during halftime, but right before the performance. Yeah, right. Um, that apparently the commercial that uh, I conceived of and wrote and. Inadvertently acted started in. inadvertently <laughs> uh, acted in. Uh, apparently, um, they, well, I knew they loved it, but I hadn't heard if they were actually going to pay to air it, and they apparently paid to air it. So uh, it was local. I mean, local Super Bowl spot for anybody in the Northeast Kansas viewing area. You may have seen me on your TV during the Super Bowl, and so I'm justifiably proud of that because it was the best thing ever. <laughs> and I didn't. Sean watch. channeled his race dance. <laughs> There may be a longer version of the ad coming to a uh, local TV set near you. <laughs> they, they apparently we, we shot extra stuff just in case, and they're apparently so impressed with this one that there may be a campaign coming. Oh, with, huh. with more, that's, that's really cool. even more Doc Brown, and even more Ray, and even more Batman. So sweet. But a, a big shout out to Dave and uh, Blake and uh, Marshall who came out and helped us out with that. So he can find a better. Doc Brown impersonator than Marshall. He already <laughs> looks like Christopher. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. Lloyd, thank you. You kept going to say Reeve, didn't you? I almost I said. heard it in your I voice. I almost said Reeve. He didn't look anything like Christopher Reeve. Nope. nope. I don't know if I like this on my microphone. It, it looks Russian. <laughs> There's, I, it's like a Russian hat. It does. It looks like a little Russian hat. He's keeping his head warm. What's in the news, Keith? In the news... Moffitt won and uh, received his OBE. Ooh. You almost said one, didn't you? I almost said one. <laughs> he, we, he was we, in the running against. We, we mentioned that he the was Raiders. going to get his OBE. <laughs> <laughs> and now he has been presented with it. Now, that doesn't make him a sir, right? No, That's what we just said. to be a sir. It's the next level. Order, order of the British Empire. Next level down, right? Uh, no, because I, I think, think it's. Mem- oh, yeah, because it's member, then order, then. Commander. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. We do went it. through this one. <laughs> I'm not gonna do this again. <laughs> Go yes, back to that it's episode. not. It's not a knighthood. <laughs> Let's put right. it that way. Uh, and afterwards, he was talking with the Scottish Daily Record about getting the award, and they talked to him about leaving Doctor Who and what he's going to do beyond that. And he said, "Ahead of me this year, and I'm quoting here, 
I have 14 Doctor Who and 3 Sherlock films. So the last thing I'm doing is contemplating work beyond that. The reason you end up leaving Doctor Who, as much as we all love it, is because it's all year round. It's a really tough gig. So there's probably, uh... Well, you've seen a lot of scuttle on online that we're getting an extra episode. <laughs> for, for the mathematically challenged among us. Because <laughs> I had to stop and go, eh, so we this is not new. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, there's 12 episodes proper in a season and one Christmas special. That's 13. He said 14 episodes. Unless he misspoke, which I'd be surprised, it seems to indicate that either it's going to be a 13-episode season or he's going to do Christmas 2016. I think he's doing Christmas 2017. 2017, I think, is what's ultimately happening there. I think he'll, he'll get Christmas of 2016, because we've been promised that, Then he'll do 12 episodes of Doctor Who proper, and then he'll do the Christmas episode for 2017 as well. Yeah. And I have a feeling that's probably the time that uh, they're touting Capaldi will uh, depart. Yeah, if if that news winds up being true, because yeah. it still has not been confirmed. No, no, that's not official, so don't take me at the word there. <laughs> grain of salt, grain of salt. And, and all the stuff about uh, Chris Chibnall taking over has always been Series 11, 2018. Never mentioning anything about Christmas or 2017. So, yeah. So, what do we think about? I, I just, I just want to speculate for a moment. <laughs> what do we think about 14 episodes? Yay, and we're Doctor Who. We're getting the episodes we were promised. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we weren't promised Christmas 2017, but it was pretty much assumed. Hey. Why well, we know we're at least getting to 13. <laughs> um, what do we, what do we think about Capaldi leaving with Moffat versus sticking around for a season with Chibnall? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not been spoken yet. I'm, I'm not... Uh, just everybody hate, seems to be indicating yeah, that he's on his way out. I hate to see him go, but I think that it probably it makes, makes sense. sense because uh, that's what happened with Matt. He left when... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he came when uh, Tennant and Davis left, so... Yeah, I mean, we are... Uh, if he sticks around, we're on uncharted territory because we haven't had a showrunner handoff with the Doctor in place since the new series came back. Which is easy to say when we've only had four doctors in the new <laughs> and series. Two, and two showrunners. <laughs> oh, I, okay. In my head, I was going, no, that, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously, I want more Capaldi. So any such, any any, any excuse for that would be fan, fine with me. But on the same on on the other side of that coin, I'd love to see what Big Finish could do with Capaldi. <laughs> You're looking way down the road. We're just now getting David Tennant. He's been off the show for yeah, six years. I think Capaldi will, well, let's get Capaldi quicker. Forget Tennant. We're getting John Hurt right off the heels. Yeah, look how quick two, that was. Two years later, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I just if, if you were Chris Chibnall and you were coming into this, would you be just chomping at the bit to work with Capaldi, or would you be thinking to yourself? Kind of ready to get. I mean, it, I mean, it's a, it, in either way. I would think it's a win for you because you don't necessarily have to hit the ground running with a new doctor and have the pressure of that. It'd be a little easier of a transition as a, a writer if, if you're wor- wor- working on a previously established doctor. I disagree. I think if you come in there, and you got a fresh slate. It's a lot easier. Well, but I mean, you, the con- you have, inconsistency would be more noticeable with a previous established doctor. If, if you're so. if you're going if you're going to have. I think the name of this uh, week's show is going to be Consistency. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, either way, you know you're going to write for a new doctor, whether it's this year or next year. 
So I would think you'd want the opportunity to write for the sitting doctor and have him leave versus the fresh slate. See, I don't think so. I, mean, I think that's the reason Moffat was was happy to get a new actor because he had a clean slate to start over. I can't. I, 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 if oh, I were, if I were a, if I were the next showrunner, not if I were Chris Chibnall, because <laughs> I can't <laughs> presume to tell you what Chris Chibnall. I suppose that's true. He may if not. I, like if I were the quality. next showrunner, because I love Capaldi so much, I would want Capaldi to stick around and write for the Doctor, but. I can see a showrunner saying, I'd like a clean slate and make it my own because that's what, the last time this happened, that's what Moffat got. He had already written for two previous doctors, no, one previous doctor, no, two. He got to write for two previous doctors. Then he got to start over and make the show his own. And I think that Chris Chibnall probably has could be afforded that ability if Capaldi left the show. Now, I don't know that Capaldi's leaving the show, and I don't know that there's any truth to the whole rumor mill that Capaldi's leaving the show. It just it, it seems to me that it makes sense both ways. It does. How is that for being diplomatic? <laughs> well, and one one way to uh, to have it both ways is have Chibnall write something for season ten. Moffat's not going to write all of those episodes. He's still going to have other writers. So, yeah. what was the last thing we decided Chibnall wrote? He wrote The Power of Three. That was the last thing. Well, P.S., but yeah. That's I love that extra. One. <laughs> oh, that was Chibnall, yeah. So Don't that know. Way he'd still so get a I did not answer your Capaldi. question, Sean. There's <laughs> something from I thought was interesting. This angle? From, from this <laughs> angle? <laughs> you look like. No, from this angle? No. Oh, from the okay, side. microphone profile. Profile. This would be profile. That's profile. Yes, yes that's what I was <laughs> trying to angle. do. Last time you said no at that. You told me no. Angle. No, you've shown me the back of your head. You look like one oh, of those you troll dolls. You know the ones that you do that. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> Should be a different color than black, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's headbanging. Okay. What else oh, is in the news? I'm busy. Uh. Re- uh <laughs> Sorry about that. Are you sure? No. Hang on, my computer's messing up. Uh, <laughs> well, we're consistent. There's going to be a, a full-length novel coming out. Speaking of ten, and Donna, and the Big Finish, uh, to coincide with that Wait, were release. Were we speaking about Big Finish? I don't think we were. I mentioned it. Okay. We mentioned the Tenth Doctor. You know, oh yes, the audios. The audios. I think Keith just rolled in here and ran me over on his segue. <laughs> Perhaps, but hold on. Not, not. Go ahead. Uh, there's uh, <laughs> there is going to be a full length novel with Tin and Donna by Ginny Colgan. In the blood is what it's called, and it will become it will come out May 2016. So timed with the release of Time Reaver. So Sean's going to put that on the schedule for May. No. <laughs> June. 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 For June. Keith yeah, yeah, says, I want some time to read it. Uh, that's cool. And I like that. It, I like, I like uh, more Ten and Donna. I've always enjoyed Ten and Donna. I thought they were quite an enjoyable that's pairing. Fun. And uh, I'm excited to hear them in the Big Finish audios that are coming out. And now I'm excited to read another story with Ten and Donna. And it's, it's nice to see them dipping back and doing more new novels with 
past doctors. Yeah. And, and, and they've been doing it a little bit with some of the classic doctors, but it's still nice to for those people who really love certain pairings that they can continue with those. Well, yeah, and I think one of the things that was a little disheartening to me was a few years back when, and, and I understand why the BBC was doing it, but when we had the Ninth Doctor and the Tenth Doctor, it seemed like the, not all of the novels that were coming out were just new series Doctors. And uh, I think that was to bolster the... Well, and it was uh, in time with... I think it was the yeah. bolt. I think it was a bolster the attention to the series and make sure that uh, you know, especially new viewers and people that were coming to Doctor Who knew had a wealth of material in order to get to know these doctors and these characters. Um, as of recent, and by that I mean the last few four, three four years, they've actually been like as you said, dipped back into the classic. Especially uh, around the fiftieth, started writing other novels, which has been really really nice. Uh, and then so it'll be nice to dip back into some of the. <laughs> Some of the uh, old new series doctors, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in order to uh, get that as well. Which the audio that it's time to release with Ginny Colgan also wrote. Oh, that's so there might excellent. be. A kind I bet of there's a, a cool tie. tie. I bet there's together. at least a crossover. Yeah. yeah. What else you got for us, Keith? Uh, the last bit is that there is going to be seven. Re-releases of the Target novelizations, both in physical form and in digital format. So, for you ebook people, these are books that he looked at me when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> these are, and they're going to feature ar- illustrations from original artist Chris Achilios. Uh, they have pictures, yay, out of print. And these books include Doctor Who and the Zarbi. Doctor Who and the Web of Fear, Doctor Who and the Dinosaur Invasion, Doctor Who and the Genesis of the Daleks, Doctor Who the Visitation, Doctor Who Vengeance on Veros, and Doctor Who Battlefield. Why did you do Battlefield? Battlefield? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was the work. end. Yeah. <laughs> it was a statement. And not as many syllables. Ah. I owned all but two of those once upon a time. <laughs> well, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think I owned Zarbi. That's nice because it's it's really difficult to get a hold of some of these novels, especially now that they're out of print. And a lot of times you have to go to your local used bookseller or you have to go to conventions and yeah, pick them hard. up. And, and sometimes, sometimes they're, they're a little overpriced because they're out of print. And, yeah. and I'm not... I'm not putting down a, somebody that's selling them at a convention. I mean, if, when it's a commodity and it's rare, you can so many, you can yeah. ch- you know charge a higher price and make some profit off of it. But it will be nice that these are coming back out. That BBC Books or whoever has the target line and uh, is able to reprint these books for those of us that didn't get to read them the first time around. Web of Fear is excellent. Well, I've seen the I've seen the story. Yeah, but the novelization is <laughs> really good. Uh, so the titles will be both physical and digital on April 28th, priced at £6.99. Uh, <laughs> digital editions will be 4 99 Followed, there will be hardback editions of the first three Doctor Who novels ever published. Doctor Who and the Daleks, Doctor Who and the Zarbi, and Doctor Who and the Crusaders on oh. November 3rd for £10 each. Um... So you look forward to those. If you didn't get some of those, which were in the 2012 first set of reissues, because I picked up the Crusaders then, and I hope that's some of I'm those. I hope some of those uh, come over here and are printed and 
released in booksellers or publishers here because so when too. you when they come in pounds, it always makes me wonder if we'll Th- get some of those over here. Yeah, and this but is coming from a British source. The nice thing about books is there's no <laughs> format exchange, so <laughs> you, no know, you can lock. buy it. You can buy it in the other nation or the other country and have access to it here. So. Yeah, I would be really surprised if they did not come over the same time. Yeah. Or near to. Yeah, or very near to. That's it for the news. Our bit of feedback comes from Robert. Robert writes, Who, Netflix, and the BBC? Hey guys, first off, the look of the new like the I like the look of the new contact page of, at the website. It looks much cleaner. Hope it works better than the last old page too. Us too, Robert, us too. As the streaming new, as to the streaming news, I have a couple of thoughts to bounce off of you and everyone else. For starters, I think the nature of Netflix itself is changing. It used to be where you could catch up on series and watch old favorites. Now it's trying to be more of a new content provider. Hulu is also dipping a toe in those waters. Then there's the CBS streaming service and the question around that once new Star Trek series launches there. Will the older series disappear from the services and only be on CBS All Access? That leads me to BBC's possible streaming service, and something I noticed before I sat down to write this. One discussion on a Who forum was about what shows aired on your local PBS station around Doctor Who. What I noticed is that, with the exception of the series I went to PBS Mystery or Masterpiece Theater... Almost all BBC series have come to the United States piecemeal. It was up to individual TV stations and then a few individual cable channels to choose to air shows like Doctor Who. I think it's possible that this piecemeal approach wasn't helpful to the BBC or to certain shows. Doctor Who benefited from the sci-fi boom after Star Wars, but it wasn't until the but it wasn't the only genre game the only genre show they aired before or during that time. Yet those other shows made it here, well, piecemeal, going to some stations but not others at various times and so on. That that those shows never got the chance that Doctor Who did to, uh, did get, nope, sorry. That those shows never got the chance the Doctor Who did could represent some loss of income to the BBC in terms of video sales to the United States had those shows taken off. Now, the BBC seems to be getting close to launching its own streaming service. It's interesting to me that what statements I've seen from them have mentioned making their programming available in the United States. This would be an easier way for Doctor Who fans to get new and classic series stories. It also might be a way for the BBC, now and in the future, to easily, more easily reach the American market with their programming and not have to rely on individual stations, cable channels, or streaming services. If this is figuring into the BBC's motivation, then it might be might be all for the best. I'm curious to see what happens with this service. I've been tra- uh, leaning towards buying a season pass at iTunes. I might not get episodes the night they air, but that the next day, but I wouldn't get them with commercials. I'm trying to be more of a cord cutter, and right now, Doctor Who is the one area that I'm having to look at. I suppose one good thing about new, no new Who in 2016 is that I have a year to make up my mind. <laughs> I hope I've given you a little more food for thought. Uh, one last thing. I don't know what you're looking for the Eccleston edition of Beyond the Doctor, 
but I recall him being one of the heavies in Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. It's a substantial role at that. And it's a substantial role at that. Take care, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. I did not know he was in Elizabeth. I do not remember him in Elizabeth. I know I've seen it. And I've always wanted to go back and watch Elizabeth the Golden Age and just haven't. So maybe that would be a good opportunity It'll to do that. It'll have to be one to, to keep in mind then. Because I'm really pushing for, you know, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. But. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to veto that one. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of shared my – I think that's well stated, Robert. And I kind of shared my thoughts on that last week as far as I, – I still think I maintain the idea, though, that the reason why we get a lot of new fans is because they find it on the various services. And I think on when, and- when you drill it all down to one service by the BBC, then you've limited your audience of who fans – you limit your audience of two Who fans that are going to that are fans of Doctor Who. They're going to go to that service to get their Doctor Who, but you're going to lose the people that did come to it because they found it on Netflix or Hulu or or the piecemealed services uh, that were available. So I can see it both ways. Someone interested in the show isn't as likely to sign up for a subscription service just to try it out. Correct. Granted, there's probably going to be a 30 day free trial. They tend to do that. Likely, yeah. Here's the danger that I see in this is that if this is the trend that everybody's moving toward, how I mean, it, it almost in a way makes a case for cable. And I never thought that I would say that because I'm very much – I'm a cord cutter. I've, I've gotten rid of it. But now, okay, CBS is going to have their service, which is where I can watch Star Trek, and BBC is going to have their service, which is where I can watch Doctor Who, and so-and-so is going to come along and say, well, we're going to put our service out here and give you blah, blah, blah. And, you know, HBO's got, game, blah, you know, just on and on and on and on. And so it's like, well, now I'm subscribing to 10 different services just to get the handful and it of shows that I want. more than cable. And it's going to be extremely uh, expensive, which means now I'm in that position where I'm going to have to pick and choose. What do I watch first run? What do I wait for the DVD or Blu-ray on? What do I, you know, and then if, you know, as Glenn pointed out last week, if they get around to the point where they're going to start restricting what comes out and is available for home viewing because they want you to buy that service. Well, now I'm really stuck in a pickle of, do I just give up on it altogether? Yeah. So it could have some very nasty backlash uh, in, in that regard. I don't know that it will. I think they'd be very stupid to do that because obviously there's a lot of money to be made in home video, but that, that could be the writing on the wall in some cases to go that this is where they want to, you know, force you to, uh, uh, suckle at the nozzle that they're going to, you know, give you, which is the only way you can get the product versus something like cable, which is like, well, look at all these channels that we've got available. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Be interesting to see what happens. I had kind of hoped that with all these different streaming services that cable would see the writing on the wall themselves and say, okay, well, we, at some point we need to lower our prices. Yeah, maybe that's what really so. will happen and people will come back to cable because you can get more options for a lesser price than buying all the separate streaming, streaming services. It's, it's a brand new world out there. And I think that, uh, I think we're learning as we go. And I think that's Everyone ultimately learning, what's yeah. happening. So, all right. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Thanks Robert. Good to hear from you. Of course, you can reach out to us on any form of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google+, Goodreads Book Club, and you can also send us feedback on our website. Uh, there's a contact us form or send feedback form and fill that out and send it to us. What's the address for that website, Keith? That is travelingthevortex.com. 
And I feel like we should take this time to congratulate Chrissy. Yes. Congratulations, Chrissy. This week. Yay! We hope you enjoy your uh, your honeymoon. And she's at Disneyland now, and they're headed on a cruise, right? Yeah. After that. So that's fun. We're joining her later this week to broadcast live from the cruise ship. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, wow, I wish. Oh, I Surprise. wish. <laughs> <laughs> Did you win the lottery? Wish. Put down some money on the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. And the odds weren't very good then. Uh, I mean, the I, odds, I, I the odds were in their favor, it. but. Please <laughs> <laughs> make a Hunger Games joke. Yes. Did you see the meme going around for Lady Gaga? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you see her performance? Yeah, I did. Okay. So there was a meme that came out tonight and said. Uh, <laughs> When you have to sing the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl at 6.30 and then go host the Hunger Games at 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> because of the way she was dressed. Yeah. She looked very much like Effie. I, I could see that, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that while watching it, but I can see that now, yeah. Speaking of Effie, did you hear the casting news that uh, she she is going to be... Um, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks is going to be the the villain in the Power Rangers movie, the, the queen. The <laughs> Uh, I don't. I never. I didn't watch, so I don't know. The bad uh, lady. The bad lady. Okay. <laughs> I never watched Power. I never watched it, yeah. but I remember seeing one clip of that woman going. I think I this saw the show movie. Is silly, and <laughs> she will do a great job. She will do it. a phenomenal job. Is that? That's not going to make me go see the movie. No. <laughs> Shall we move on to our review? Yes. With Nell and I. In the late 1960s, two unemployed, broke British actors, with nail and a pill-popping, a pill-popping burnout, and Marwood, who's slightly more together, take a vacation to the country. This pointed black comedy follows the actors' misadventures as the trip quickly turns into a nightmare, thanks in large part to With Nail's uncle. <laughs> uncle Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> dun dun dun! I really liked it. I liked it too. I enjoyed it. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I don't know how I feel about it. There, it got to a point where I was like, "What is going on?" Did you have subtitles on? No. I think that might have helped. <laughs> like uh, my, uh, my really, my DVD I didn't, didn't have I didn't subtitles. Did. No, you watch so much more British television well, than we I do. Suppose, I found my even Mel was like, I have no idea what's going on. I, 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 Your I subtitles worked? No. Oh, I, 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 that's <laughs> oh, why I said I wish. I wish they had. Yes. Even I am saying, wow, I kind of wish I'd had subtitles for that one. No, I. Uh, it's got ninety-four percent from both critics and the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Why not? It was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna. It was it was good. That it was, was where I got my synopsis, so I had that information it was readily available. Probably the majority of them were British critics and British <laughs> <laughs> audience members, but I, um, I didn't know what to expect. In fact, I had uh, Sean keep kept leading up to doing this for our Beyond the Doctor segment. And you could tell that Sean really wanted to do this story and so i had never heard of this before i actually i take that back i'd heard of it but i hadn't i didn't know anything about it and so going into it i thought okay 
what is this? What could this possibly be? <laughs> and I knew that Paul McGann is in it, and I didn't know until more recently that Richard E. Grant was the other uh, heavy in it. And so you decided that we decided we're going to do it. And so I went into it going, okay, I'm not sure what to think about this or what to even expect out of it. So I went out and into it completely blind, blinded and got done with it and quite enjoyed it. But it was one of those ones that I was like, what happened here? <laughs> who, who decides to... It's obviously a black comedy. But who puts together a story like this that really is... You talked about Friends, but this is more like... I mean, you didn't compare it to Friends, but you, well, <laughs> you, it's more like uh, Seinfeld. It's like almost <laughs> an episode of nothing. It's a movie about nothing, except for it really does then kind of drive a point home at the end, I think. Yeah, it really But it, it just... I, I, I went into this... Not even... I don't even say trepidatious. Trepidatious is the word, because it wasn't like you I had any... Yeah, I just... But I... I and it was completely nothing that i expected <laughs> and i had i had no barometer of of how popular it was of of whether people liked it whether it was, i had barely even heard of it up until a few years back and it was just it, it was on netflix there for a while yeah well see, I, how, I didn't I think, even know that yeah. i didn't even know that so Chuck so had been pushing I, and pushing and pushing this and i was like i don't even know what to expect here I saw it was on Netflix and thought, oh, yay, this is going to work great for when we do Beyond the Dead. And then they took it away. (laughs) Have you seen the Criterion cover? The DVD cover? That was all I knew of it. So, listener, go look it up. And this is all I knew about the film. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It looks like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, a little bit. The British version (laughs) was what I I went into it kind of expecting. (laughs) Not quite, but a little bit. Shades of. I, I I didn't realize it until looking at the Criterion website that apparently it's semi autobiographical. Oh, is that right? Which kind of makes sense of why narratively it plays out the way it does. Well, with Nell and I, and I, we never we can't we, you can't hammer down now whether it's with Nell and I or with Nell and I because it was said both ways several times. <laughs> or with Nell. <laughs> or with Nell. Yeah. I think there are like four different ways they pronounce it through the entire movie. So apparently Bruce Robinson must have had some sort of experience, because that's who wrote and directed this. Yeah. He must have had some sort of similar experience. And it took place in 1969, uh, right? I get that yeah, right? Okay. Because yeah. I remember it, it had a kind of, framed, the very beginning. kind of framed it at the beginning with the, uh, the uh, oh, what do they call those little indicators or locators or whatever. Yeah. Uh, according to the excellent essay... Um, from Roger Ebert, who gave this four stars. Um, uh, where to go? Um, Robinson based the character of I on himself. Students of the film have learned from one glimpse of a telegram that the character's name is Marwood. It never appears in dialogue. Marwood, or, or in credit, it's dot 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 and I. Yeah, yeah. That was I was sitting <laughs> here thinking it'd be so clever if at the end of this, when the credits run, it had Withnell and then it had a thing for I even though he had a name in the movie he had a name I thought it'd be funny if it said and I and it came up and I felt so vindicated (laughs) (laughs) that's so awesome Um, but uh, uh, I don't care what Robert Ebert said what did you think of the film no I I was just replying that it was based on yeah yeah well we already established that when Keith said that what did you think of the film Sean (laughs) I liked it Um, I I think it's, it's a twofold thing I don't drink and so there's a lot of drinking culture. That's not true. I've seen you drink. Well, you I, don't, just I don't drink regularly. I don't drink regularly, and I certainly don't drink to excess. <laughs> um, 
And so there's a lot of drinking culture that happens in films that I kind of tend to miss out on. Just because I, I, I don't know. I've never been so blindingly stupid drunk that I can't find my car keys and get in a car and need a breathalyzer test when they inevitably stop me. You know, I just things like that I just kind of chuckle at because it's like, I don't get it. I, I don't, you know. So when you do a whole movie that's about the drinking and to that extent, there's a part of me that's still kind of lost as to, like, why are you so <laughs> adamant that this is... This is the grand plan. What are you going to do today? I'm going to get drunk. Okay. And and, and, and I yeah. is, is kind of stuck there with him doing it. However. It very much feels like I's just kind of along for the ride through most of the film. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> really calling him I. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, is what worked in a way is because we've all known someone like this guy. Oh, yeah. In, in my case, it was a, a former roommate that I did live with, and it wasn't the drinking so much. It's just that his... It's, a, it's something. There's always something that... His personality. Relate. Yeah, the personality. His, and then you have something else in common also. Yeah. I, I never lived with you. No. You <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about me. Uh, <laughs> well, just... You, you have those people in your lives that, that their personality is so grand and so over the top and so on... And you know, when, when they walk into a room, they immediately wind up taking over the conversation, whether they intend to do it or not. It's just who they are. And you kind of get caught up and swept along with it. So when I, I when I latched onto that nugget, it's like, oh, I totally get yeah, this I, because I've I been that up there. Really early on too. Then, yeah. then it, it, it just it just really flowed. And I really were, enjoyed it. It reminded me, of, in that aspect, of another film, and now I cannot think of it for the life of me. That's very similar of kind of this nameless character kind of gets swept up in this other person for a little while and then kind of comes out the other side of it. Listener, if you know what I'm thinking of, let me know. Because I don't now. But I thought of it while I was watching it. I was like, oh yeah, that's like that. Um, but yeah, I, I just watching with abject terror as Paul McGann is going... What do you, what, you know, and and Richard E. Grant says, "There's no alcohol. I'm going to drink lighter fluid," and he's like, "You, you can't do that. You, you, know, you can't do that." So he drinks it, and then he's, like, "Do we have any antifreeze?" And McGann's only response is, "Never mix your drinks," <laughs> <laughs> because that's the logic of the situation. <laughs> Never mind the See, fact that you're going to go blind. Although, I sort of gathered it was almost a clever uh, clever way of making it logical is what it was because well, if you're going to try to reason he with knew he wasn't point, yeah so exactly yeah. <laughs> when you're going to reason with somebody like that you've got to reason with them on a level that they'll understand yeah and i think that's what he was doing i too although more so i i kind of uh associated with the uh character of marwood or i um in this as well because i grew up well i grew up but i went to high school and college well i was in college but he wasn't <laughs> at the same time with somebody that was very much like that and it was like you know i was about to say on the week every weekend but it was during the week too <laughs> it was very much the goal was to his goal was to go out get snockered he was actually a a performer or an actor it was it wasn't so much uh in the sense that we were he was trying to get paid gigs as this was but he was he was a community theater guy he did stuff when we were in college he did all these things so he was he was very much the actor and i was kind of the wannabe actor and i was kind of the tag along and just kind of I was halfway there 
to be along for the ride and do the things that he was doing, but I was also halfway there as his protector, kind of. Mm. You know, I always felt like I he needed me because if he was by himself, he would have completely destroyed himself. He would have, he would have just completely gone into the, the 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 bowels of hell. He'd have dragged himself down in into very seedy, dark places. And so I was kind of a counterbalance for him. But it was very much that you're struggling against that type of personality and you're along for the ride and it's very difficult to keep from getting sucked into that world yeah. because they're very, like you said, they're very, they walk into the room and they're the person that everybody wants to be with and be around and talk to. And there was... Or call the cops on. Yeah, there was there was honestly many times that, that we were just you know three sheets to the wind and didn't know what we were doing and then there was times where i was grounded enough to realize this is probably not a good situation for us so so i very much uh uh uh, associated with the character in this so that that helped me a lot now remove it from you know the uk obviously put in the midwest where there was very little to do but drink um that was that was pretty much how i came at it too is i thought i can really associate with this character maybe that's why i liked it so much as well yeah i had to tell because i don't think mel enjoyed it as uh, i know she didn't enjoy it nearly as much as i did but i I, Mm -hmm. I think it was for that reason i kind of had to explain after the fact that I, i i get where he's coming from because of this now having said that it's I, I think that's kind of where the audience comes in at it, that we all know somebody like Withnail. We all know somebody who's that over the top. I is not an innocent bystander. He's, he's not oh, no, necessarily no, no. being dragged into these things. That he's, he's just as much... Well, he is just by association, but... Right. He's as responsible for himself, for his own actions, as as, as Withnail is. Right. I mean, he, he's just... Maybe a little higher functioning. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's maybe absolutely. the best way to put it. Um, and and just, just watching them kind of go through the daily machinations of, you know, blindingly drunk, hungover. What are we dealing with? And you know, I mean, the, the, I got a job. The, the first thing is Paul McGann <laughs> puts on a, a, a kettle of tea, and then leaves the house. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you do? I don't care if your roommate's there. He's he's blitzed out in bed. He's asleep, <laughs> and he leaves, and then he goes to the pub. And maybe orders coffee or breakfast or whatever, and he gets paranoid and comes back home, and there's all the steam and everything because the kettle is completely boiled away. Well, I think what I really appreciated <laughs> by that setup is you got it's the really impression that they number one had in. just come off of a bender, mm-hmm. but number two that it didn't just involve alcohol; that they were on the, the stuff, yeah, yeah they were on the tail end of other <laughs> stimulants of some sort, and. Uh, both dealing with it very poorly. Yeah. And so I like the aspect that it's set up that way. And when they're removed from that element of it and they get into just kind of the alcohol element of it, then it's, you know... You're, it it kind of calms down a little exa- bit. It does a little bit. And it almost seems a lot less... Well, it's, it's a lot less paranoid. But it becomes a lot mm, less... Except uh, for that one part. Uh, I think if if they had been if they well, yeah if they had been on drugs as well as alcohol when they it were on the holiday been, they, they they wouldn't have functioned I mean no, they no, they would yeah. not have been able to survive and especially in that you know two or three days that they were they were barely struggling for food on and, their own despite the alcohol cooking the chicken with some of the feathers still on <laughs> setting upright in the oven <laughs> it was things like that and I also like the fact they that had, they had great comedic moments in they, this they, entire film I like how they they sort of each took a role in the household how you know uh 
the uh, Paul McGann's character was uh, Marwood was a was the uh, it was definitely the cook. <laughs> he prepared the foods, and that Withnell was kind of charged with going out and getting the the required elements for things. Even though originally uh, Marwood does that because he goes out to get the wood because he's he's the I think he, you couldn't have sent Withnell to the next door neighbor <laughs> to see if you could get wood. You couldn't have done that. No, so he no. does that functionally first. But then when they realize they have to live off the land, Withnell has to be the one that's the hunter and gatherer. <laughs> and they they fall into almost gender roles, old old almost, style gender yeah. roles, you know, and. Uh, it's it's neat how they do that, and they kind of pair them off in the sense that Withnell's the hunter and gatherer, and uh, I is the, uh, the the cook and kind of the housekeeper. You know, I love <laughs> I love the fact that they they kind of settled into these roles in order to survive, and that was the way they played that out. Of course, until Uncle uh, well Monty shows up or Uncle <laughs> Vernon, as, as we pointed out, it's the same actor that played Uncle Vernon in the Harry Potter films. Uh, shows back up, and then they've got a whole new set of problems. Which, <laughs> but they're well fed. The other <laughs> thing that I like about that booze. is we go through this like this this just almost uncomfortable, agonizing survivalist uh, aspect of these uh, two characters, and more than blundering through the survival. Yeah, aspect yeah, yeah. And it. then when Monty shows up, you're relieved. You're like, okay, oh, good, an adult here. Thank goodness, yes. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> Somebody that's going to take care of them, they're going to be fed, they're going to have warmth, they're going to have clothing, they're going to, you know, and the first scene well, you see is the next morning that. when they're set down to dinner and Monty has made a full breakfast yeah. and, and has everything organized and set in place and you're relieved. It's just in time for the story to, <laughs> to turn, a, turn a whole new awkward. <laughs> when we find it, well, we don't find out then. We know that Monty we, we has an eye for for uh, uh, Mar, uh, Marwood. It's just uh, it's it, it's structured very well by starting off in the city, getting out of the city, into the town, the survivalist aspect of bumbling through survivability, and then having to survive Uncle Monty. <laughs> well, Marwood having to survive Uncle Monty. <laughs> uh, being family, I think, was the benefit for Wendell. <laughs> that was the only thing I yeah. could have saved him. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it, it's it's so great that because you you look at these guys and the the plan is well you, your uncle has a summer house let's let's go bum a week off of you know we'll go on vacation we'll have we'll, a week we'll, in the, yeah we'll, 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 we'll live off of him and you, you're just looking at this going no no there's no way you guys are going to survive outside the city I I got the impression they didn't think that they didn't realize this was the kind of summer house it was it was kind of a disrepair that it was better stocked and better furnished and more modern well certainly from the way the way Monty lives in the city he seems to be very well off he has he has a very nice house or a a flat I suppose or or, yeah uh, and so you kind of get the impression maybe the home away from home is is as Just nice. Just as nice, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I took one look at these guys and went, not going to make it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The, the, these Didn't guys, matter if the, it was a nice place. You, was... you could have set them up at the Holiday Inn. If it was the Holiday Inn <laughs> in a small town outside of London, they would not have made it. It's just they're, they're a fish-out-of-water story. So they get up there and <laughs> misadventures with, you know, in a rainstorm <laughs> The beautiful English Highlands. <laughs> we get there. Bags on their feet because they forgot them. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 first rule of, of of survival is all right. I'm on. What does he say? Uh, fuel and or you're on fuel and and whatnot. And I'll you know food and you know they they, they he, Paul McGinn divvies it up right off the bat. <laughs> We've got to get this and this going. 
and there's no warmth. There's no heat. There's no, you know, you've got to get it a moment to get warm. Says, well, the, the candle puts out more heat than that. And so the very first act that we get of survival is <laughs> busting up furniture, furniture. <laughs> to put into the fireplace. As, as, as somebody who is, is driven by this reliance on drink would be want to do. It's just like, yeah, that's where we're headed. I'm surprised the house is still standing by the time Monty shows up. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know. And then uh, I loved his, his interactions when Paul McGann goes out to, to, to get food and he's interacting with the, the, the local population and, <laughs> and having to reassure them we're not from London. <laughs> like that's going to make anything better. Yeah. Like they really make that distinction. Um, but yeah, it's it's just there are a lot of uh, the comedic uh, elements are, are, are fantastic, and I think the timing and the, the you can chemistry really, you can really tell that the two of them got along really well because of the timing and the chemistry. Yeah, there were, there were moments where, especially early on, with I'm watching with now, watching Richard E. Grant perform, and I'm just thinking to myself, he would make a great Batman villain. Yeah, Put him would. as the Riddler. He would, and at that age, he would have been phenomenal. That, that's the that's the biggest praise I can give his performance. Interesting, because because he, he he delivered it and committed to it so much that I didn't really see any other Richard E. Grant that I've seen before. Interestingly it's so enough, different. if you watch Girls on HBO, the Lena Dunham uh, series. Uh-huh. Uh, he plays a character. He plays one of the uh, female characters' uncle on there. Well, he pretends to be her uncle, I suppose. Um, plays uh, a, a man she meets in the substance abuse uh, center that she has checked into, and he's very much, very much like this same character, only older. And so I saw a lot of parallels between uh, those characters, and went, "Okay, I'm already familiar with this Richard E. Grant." So it, it was it was quite interesting to see that he's able to pick up and do that type of character again. Or maybe so. he's uh, maybe he's done more of these roles that we just don't know about, and he gets tap, typecast. Typecast as I, that I, guy. I wonder now retroactively <laughs> if he got typecast in girls, girls because, because of his role in Whitnell and I. His name doesn't happen to be with now, does it? No, no I, don't, I don't believe so. <laughs> that would be awesome if it was the same character. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to come back. Oh yeah, I can do that. I was really struck. And this is this is going to sound really strange and probably a little stupid. Since I've met Paul again, I was really struck with how tall Richard E. Grant oh, yeah. is. I, <laughs> I, I was struck by that too. The, the two of them standing together, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I know Paul McGann is uh, a little bit shorter. I mean, he's you know, I have a photo of him on my wall. I know how tall the man is. But Richard E. Grant is like taller than me. Oh, yeah, I he's think huge. he's. Yeah. I had no idea he was that big. Um. And it, it, in a weird retroactive kind of way now, it just kind of lends this added amount of, of, of gravitas to that opening scene in Schalke when the doctor walks out of the TARDIS. <laughs> because now I know how tall he is. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> there he is. Very foreboding. And very. Uh, I found it interesting at the very beginning, his, his coat was almost very similar to Schalke Doctor's coat. I thought. And the leather one that McGann wears almost <laughs> is that scene like when he the, puts it on and he goes outside wearing just the coat and his boots when yeah. they get out to the and it's like that's almost his big finish doctor look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's his dark even the same costume. color. <laughs> we were totally stretching for things there, but <laughs> <laughs> I just I I love the fact that Richard E. Grant committed so 
over the top, wholeheartedly. To, I mean, he never breaks character once. Everything that Withnail does, there well, is... Well, neither of them do. Yeah. I mean, it just... There's a, there's a logic to it. We may not get it, but there is a, <laughs> there, there's a method to it. And then uh, poor, poor McGann's character is just kind of, you know, wrapped up in that maelstrom and has to ride it out, even though, you know, he, he's... You can see almost that he's thinking to himself, I put myself in this situation. Yeah. But he's too dedicated to him to really do much with it other than write it out and, you know, allow things to take their course. Jasper is his name on girls. Uh, and this is us an aside, but according to Wikipedia, he's going to show up in Game of Thrones season six. Ooh. Now that's according to Wikipedia. So. <laughs> you know, Withnail did talk an awful lot about changing his name. <laughs> he became Jasper. Maybe he became Jasper. Jasper Thorne. He'd be a lot older now because that took place in the 60s, even yeah. though the film was in 87 or 88, something like that. 87. 87. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the inevitable <laughs> ride down the highway coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making time. <laughs> I'm making time. <laughs> maybe it, maybe it's maybe it's cliche. I don't know, but I, I I I couldn't expect that you weren't going to have this character drive a car at some point in time in this. <laughs> well, movie. they set it up with uh, the and, first time in their in the car. Yeah, yeah. there's a gun on the mantle. It's going to be fired before yeah. we get to the end. So he's got this um, a doohickey thing to pass a uh, a urine test. <laughs> And then the cop pulls him over. Of course, all I could think of was, hey, look, it's a TARDIS on wheels. It's a big blue bus with a light yeah. on top. <laughs> it's kind of boxy. Um, and they, they, they pull him over and stop him. And I kind of kept waiting for, okay, here it comes. Any moment now, we're going to you know see how this works. And now he gets thrown in the pokey and <laughs> taken off. And We see how it doesn't work. <laughs> then, we, then it shows well, up. It, 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 back up, though. The beauty of that is the fact that... that uh, <laughs> Danny, the the druggy guy, the drug dealer, has has sold him this essentially, and he asks him, "Does it come with instructions?" And then in the car on the way to Holiday, he's talking, he's describing what this device is, and he says, "According to the instructions," and there's his handwritten <laughs> instructions that Danny apparently has actually supplied with the bottle. Probably just wrote for him. And yeah. then we have all this time in the country where that is completely forgotten. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, nothing to do with it until he gets arrested. <laughs> And he's in the uh, police station standing behind the room divider. <laughs> and the guy catches him. And he just he grabs it. And it's like squirting out. It's, oh. <laughs> I thought that was so well framed. Because I, you'd completely forgotten about oh, this yeah. silly model. And well, I really liked jumping back a little bit. The bit where they go into town to buy the, the galoshes. And they get completely drunk and the way they were acting in that restaurant was just especially it kind of that to me it felt like Paul McGann was really embracing the character even more than he had been previously and really getting in on the fun of everything I, I, I just really appreciated that we're room. millionaires and we're going to buy this building and sort of embellishing their stories yeah yeah <laughs> Which is funny because that's something that Withnell did a lot. He would embellish yeah, himself was in stories, he would do. and it was very much. It, it was nice to have that role reversal exactly. in that scene. He picked yeah, up I think on that's it what I liked there. about that. 
It's funny because that scene in particular, I think, is the one that that really illustrates how ill-suited to just functioning in society these two guys are. <laughs> well, is that you know, Uncle Vernon has shown up, or Monty, and and he's given you money. Go buy, <laughs> go buy boots. You need a good sturdy pair of galoshes if you're going to go about the countryside. All right, let's go to the pub. <laughs> No question. Oh, yeah, no, just we'll tell them there was a they don't convention. Need They've got bags. They put bags, <laughs> the in. bags over their feet. You know, right? I mean, it wasn't even a. There was no debate. <laughs> it was just <laughs> to the pub, <laughs> and they walked across the street and into the bar. Yep. It's just that was it. Um, the ending was was the only way the movie could end, but it was also kind of tragic and sad at the what, same time. It was really. Was yeah. somebody taken aback when? Paul McGann, they cut to him and he'd cut his hair. Yeah. I was like, it doesn't look like Paul McGann anymore. What happened? At some point in time. He's so you, cleaned up and everything. You uh, you have to realize that um, certain individuals are not good for you. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you get a job opportunity, too. I mean, you, yeah. it takes you different directions. And I suspect that at, at that moment for I... That um, it seems sadder for Withnail than I. I think the way, the way they filmed it and the way it was very much so. Yeah, it, 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 it was a, a little bit of both because I, I think I was kind of as Glenn alluded to earlier. He was coming to the realization that he's not going to be there on the next adventure or misadventure, <clears throat> and he's not going to be able to prevent him from winding up, yeah, face down in the gutter in that personal hell of whatever uh, bad thing, but that he just can't, that he, he has to, uh, you know, get move on. And with nail, not only recognize that I think kind of maybe wanted to hold it against him, but knew that he wouldn't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, that, you know, what, whatever is going to become of me without you, even though it was not spoken, it just kind of was, was there. And, you know, he tried to put the happy face on and, you know, I'll walk you to the, the, the thing, and we'll drink a bottle of wine as we walk to the subway <laughs> that we stole from Monty. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, I'm I'm good, really. I, <laughs> well, I think that's that's fun. That's suddenly the realization that the character says, you know, I can't continue on like this. I can't continue to be the support for this person. I have to live my own life. And I think, I think he he, I think he stayed with Withnell. Because he felt guilty and he felt like Whitnell was very destructive to himself and could have – and I think it's at that point that he realized that no matter what he could do, that it would continue – he would continue to live his life as Whitnell has and he had to kind of separate mm-hmm. from that. And yeah. I think that's – I think the realization is the uh, the whole point when he lets Danny stay – well, he doesn't – he he doesn't realize the gravity of the situation that Danny was there when the landlord came by and they're getting evicted because they weren't signing the checks is what they, they kept describing it as. And so I got the impression that the landlord wasn't getting the checks. Danny had completely ruined it for them with the landlord and yeah. Whitnell was getting stoned. <laughs> I mean, and I think that was kind of the realization of, of where his li- where uh, Marwood's life had kind of come. And I think that was the realization that I've got this great new job I've got this, you know, lead now in the play. It's not just a a part. It's the lead. This is the time that I've got to separate myself from this destructive behavior. And the the way Withnail was written, it it could have easily been he didn't even realize that with that he had disappeared and gone from his life. But I I really like the fact that he recognized it and 
was going to be sad and miss him yeah. because those those sort of characters. I mean, it could very very easily be oh, where'd that one guy go? Yeah, oh well, yeah. well you, I'll just continue going on without us doing. It, but it, it, it helped have that nice emotional connection between the two of them. It could have very easily crossed over into self parody. He could have become the funny drunk. He could have become Arthur. He could have become. I mean, he could have been the sad drunk. He could have been, but he's not. He, he never once breaks character from being this. Over the top, slightly belligerent, angry at the world guy, who is also drunk through the whole thing, <laughs> and 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 that just that just really you know worked for 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 you know who he was, and I think the other part of that that I liked is at the end when he when I comes to that realization that this is my chance that I have to take. We we'd gotten anger from him before at with Nail. We'd gotten the the spats of the, I can't believe you did this or how dare you leave me with this person yeah. or you know, but but they they always blew over and it was never a genuine. I don't feel you know. I mean, well, he was genuine when he was <laughs> yelling at him about why are you driving, but <laughs> well, he was genuine about with with all of them. But yeah. I mean, there, there was never a. I don't think there was ever a question of this is the straw that broke the camel's back right, and I'm right. angry with you. And we didn't get him dragging out a soapbox and jumping up on top of it going, you have to change your life and blah, right, blah, blah. Right. You never yeah, got that moment. He was never moment. going to be that preachy guy. That's right. Like, well, and, it would never that. do any good with North Nail anyway. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I liked about it is when that realization came, the absurdity of what had happened with the landlords and and, and, and with no getting stoned and I've got this – and the next scene is he's there. His room has been cleaned out. He puts mm-hmm. on the hat. His hair has been cut. He's cleaned up, and he walks out. And we never get that. We never get that moment, which would have made it, I, I think, a different movie. It would have been, you know, this cascade of self destruction, and then ultimately the implosion. Right. And I didn't want to see that. No, I didn't. Yeah, see yeah, that. yeah no. Um, it's so I, it's left. It's left very. Good. It's left wondering what would become of with now without. Yeah. Barwood. And so I think that it it ends on the perfect note of mystery. You know, what what happened to him? We don't get that resolution, but we also don't get that complete self-destruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like the, I like the way that it ends is that not only does does, you know, Marwin go off to to do his thing, but with now has this great Shakespeare soliloquy at the end from Hamlet, what a piece of work is man. Is it Hamlet? It's Hamlet. And um and it's just he just nails it. And it's like, my God, this guy's a great actor. If only he was sober more often, he could probably get some great jobs. And um, it, it's one of those times that, you know, for, for however many times you hear that in film, to know that he's really talking about himself, oh, yeah. what a piece of work is man. And then he goes on his way, and that's just what that's that's it. That's all you all you can all you can get all you all you get out of it, which is great. Um, I did not know. I knew this was a big deal. You, you talked about this uh, a little bit earlier. That you know the the culture and the the kind of the fandom that have built up around this movie, and it's one of those that going back to what Keith said about the cover. Working in video, this is just a cover I've been aware of for a really <laughs> long time. It's kind of a haunting image. Oh yeah, the, the, the non Criterion one has the dartboard in the same kind of jagged font, and this very strange uh, fear and loathing kind of. 
poster, uh, postcard, uh, not postcard, uh, uh, photo, a Polaroid. Uh, it's on the dartboard that's kind of got things thrown at it. And I'd always been entranced by it. I'd been walking by on the shelves or seeing it. And it was just like, what is this movie about? And it wasn't until years and years and years and years later that I went, oh, my God, Doctor Who's in this. And so that kind of put it on the radar for me that it was like, I'm going to have to watch this at some point. And just never did, never did, never did. So I was really happy to, you know, finally get it on there. But this film, for being a, a small independent, you know, movie, is huge. Uh, over in England, and it, the dialogue is still quoted. It's it's one of those that has reached, you know... It's cult status. It, it, it's very big cult status. And, I mean, some of the dialogue is great when you have things like, <clears throat> I can't get my boots on when they're hot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that scene, obviously, you kind of need that in order for that to make sense, but... Uh, I liked, these are the kind of windows faces look in at. <laughs> <laughs> and my thumbs have gone weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know yeah i'm gonna i think my thumbs have gone weird i think i'm gonna start adopting that one myself all right what we got coming up on the schedule sean well next week is the big week next week's the week we dip our toes into the uh, uh unfortunately very deep abyss that is missing episodes and uh, so we're going to be watching um, The Crusades, excuse me, for Friday Night Who. Uh, again, as mentioned uh, by Glenn last week on the show, that if you have any version of The Crusades that features all of the, um, the audio, you can boot that up and watch along with us. We will be doing the Loose Cannons uh, version because that's the one that we have access to. Well, inadvertently, this was the best one to start with because you do have all of it available to you on the Lost in Time uh, yeah. Hartnell disc and because it is there in audio form. So the the two missing episodes are there in audio well, form. You think I didn't plan that? <laughs> sure you did, Sean. I am sure nothing if not did. consistent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we'll, uh, we'll be doing that for Friday Night Who. Uh, and as always, please welcome to join us. If you don't know what Friday Who is, we watch Who every Friday night at midnight and we tweet along and uh, uh, say funny things. It's not quite mystery science theater. Sometimes it's just, oh, I love this bit. And sometimes it's, oh, look at that. So Sometimes we make fun of it. Sometimes we make fun of it. It depends. But it's a lot of love. It's never malicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never. Um, but uh, So we'll be doing that and then uh, having kind of a big discussion about it next week with uh, the episode and kind of our take on uh, you know, the reconstruction and what has been done to it. And, of course, we also have the novelization that we'll be covering as well. So if you haven't started that yet, you can still get through it this week. It'd be a brisk read. Um, it moves at a pretty good pace. It does. It's only um, like eight chapters. 160-some pages. 63, I think. But you should probably start now uh, if you are interested in that. And uh, I read it in a couple of days, and if you can, if I can read a book in a couple of days, <laughs> most readers can read it probably in a knock it out in a day. And then uh, more more schedule updates uh, will be hitting the feeds soon, since we have just hammered out a few things uh, and coming forth. Speaking of coming forth, if you are in the area, specifically to be Kansas, please come out and support Empower Comic Con, which is going to be going on the weekend of the 20th and the 21st. I think those are the dates of February. Um, it's a Saturday, Sunday. And uh, we will be there um, hosting a panel. Uh, and you also have the uh, chance to meet, um, uh, well, among others, um, um, Linda, uh, not Linda, I keep saying Linda Carter. It's not Linda Carter. Lindsay Wagner. It's Lindsay Wagner. Thank you. Uh, who is coming to our fair city. So uh, please come out and uh, support us in that. All right. Well, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. 
I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.